Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. The Lord is so faithful. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to minister uh, on, on our Wednesday Bible study, and the Lord had led me to just this, this topic of of desiring more of an outpour of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you desire an outpour of the Holy Spirit? Where the Lord would fall afresh on you. Amen. And that title of the message, Fall Afresh, is, is, to, is to receive an, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for today. I was reminded a brother of mine, Brother Prince, was ministering and, and he, he shared something that had just reminded me of, of the revivals that have taken place in the United States in the past. Azusa Street. And this particular encounter with the Lord was so powerful. I believe it happened in 1906 or somewhere around there. But in, in this encounter with the Lord, in this outpour of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I'm talking about outpour, I'm not talking about like, like the faucet is trickling. I'm not talking about the faucet trickling. I'm talking about like, like, a, like a downpour. I'm talking about like tsunami force rain. I'm talking about like you standing in front of a fire truck and them blasting you with water. That's an outpour. And in this particular occasion in 1906 on Azusa Street in California, they were hit so powerfully with the power of God. With the power of the Holy Spirit that people, there was fire departments that would show up on a daily basis because they saw what looked to be fire on top of the building. They would call the fire department and say, hey, look, there's a fire on top of this building over here in the middle of Los Angeles in California. Somebody needs to come put out the fire. And they would show up, and it wasn't a physical fire. It was the fire of the Holy Ghost, church. It was the fire of the power of God. And every single day, people would, had begun to know that, that, that this great revival that was happening in this church, this great outpour of the Holy Spirit that was happening in this, in this ministry, people began to take notice because guess what? People would come in wheelchairs and they would leave walking. They would come in blind and they would leave seeing. They would come in deaf and they would leave hearing, church. That's the power of God. That's what Acts chapter 4 looks like when, when, when I believe it was Peter and John. They were standing before the Sanhedrin and they asked them. They, they had this man that had just received a miracle and he was standing before them. And the Sanhedrin people could not say anything. Because there was a man standing there by the evidence and the power of God who had just been completely healed and transformed. That's what I want to see in the church again. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit looks like. He's not a remedy. He's not an aid. He's not some help, self-help program. No, my friend, he transforms lives for a living. Amen. He transforms and completely changes situations. At the touch of the hem of the garment of Jesus, the woman was healed after 12 years. A simple touch of just 
just the fabric of Jesus, she was completely transformed and healed. I remember in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the Shekinah glory of God. Amen? How many of you know what the Shekinah glory of God is? That is an outpour of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when the Shekinah glory of God would fill the temple, the priest could not even enter. It was so powerful that nobody else could inhabit the same space because the Lord is so powerful and he is so grand and he is so vast and he is so big. And so the Bible says that the Shekinah glory of God would fill the temple and the priests and the altar workers, they had to stand outside of the temple because the glory of God was too intense, it was too great, it was too, it was too big. Now I realize we're all in this building today, but the Bible declares in the book of Acts chapter 17 that the Lord does not dwell in buildings made by human hands. The Lord no longer dwells in temples and in facilities like this, in churches and in wherever people plant churches in tents. The Lord doesn't dwell there. He dwells within our hearts. Amen? The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's easy to offend the Lord if you try to control the temple on your own. If you try to set the rules for the temple and, the, and you desire to have an outpour of the Holy Spirit, we have to realize what the word says, that these bodies are not our own. They were bought and they were purchased with the expensive, priceless blood of Jesus. The most precious thing that this has ever fallen to the, to the dirt of this world, church. Your body is not your own, amen? And so the Lord inhabits you and I now and he longs to dwell within you and I. But in order for you and I to receive an outpour of the Holy Spirit, we have to remember, church, that we must empty ourselves. We must empty ourselves of everything that would try to take up residence in space in the place where the Lord longs to inhabit, which is in your heart. I know spring is right around the corner, and in Texas, we kind of don't have spring. We just go from, like, warm to hot. We don't really have transitional seasons. You know, when I used to live in Idaho, we had four seasons. Here it's hot and hotter. Amen? And then it kind of gets a little fresh is what we call it in the valley. It gets fresh outside. It's not cold. It's fresh. I don't know why people say that. Fresh is for food, not for temperature and weather. <laughs> you can laugh. But, man, I, I almost forgot where I was going. But there's a thing called seasons, right? And seasons shift and seasons change and we come into seasons. And when seasons shift, there is a different thing that has to happen in the earth in order for the season to shift. And it's if we long to have the Holy Spirit inhabit our life, it's if, if we long to have an outpour of the Holy Spirit, then the season of your heart must shift. The season and the way that you are living your life, it has to change in order to make room for the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he is a jealous God. Did you know that? That he's jealous of you. That whenever something in this world gets your attention more than his, he's jealous. 
Whenever your job or the things that you do on a daily basis, you know, you're you, you know, spending time with your loved ones or spending time on social media or, or going to, to a job and focusing on that. Listen, if it has more of your attention than Jesus has, he is jealous. And I believe that the Lord is longing for you and I to get back to that place, church, of a singular focus. You can have jobs as long as jobs don't have you. You can have possessions as long as possessions don't have you. You can have family and you can have life and you can have recreation. You can have entertainment as long as it does not have you, church. Jesus wants to be the sole proprietor, the sole owner of your heart. He should never be in competition with the big game. He should never be in competition with the entertainment and the relationships that you hold so near and dear to your heart. Because if he is Lord, church, if he is truly Lord of your life, if he is truly King Jesus, then guess what? There is no room for anything else. Can somebody say amen today? John 3 and 30, he said this, he must become greater, and everybody say it, and I must become less. Say it one more time. He must become greater and I must become less. I'll say this. I shared this in, in that message a few weeks ago. A church full of themselves leaves no room for the Holy Spirit. And let me stop there just for a second because we are living in a day and age where everybody's trying to make a name for themselves. We are living in a time and a season where everybody wants to go viral. We are living in a time and an age where everybody wants to be the latest, greatest, newest entrepreneur and get that, you know, you know at-home business running off the ground and, and, and make all the millions of dollars because we think somehow that's going to bring us peace. No, it'll fill your wallet, but it'll never fill your heart. Amen. A church full of themselves leaves no room for the Holy Spirit, but a church with its only agenda being to please Christ will empty their hearts in order to behold his glory. Will empty all of us in order to behold the glory of the Lord. Do you want to know Jesus? Amen. Do you want to know the Lord? Then embrace the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15. Let's get into the word. John chapter 15 and verse 26. He says, I will send you. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, the source of all truth. I want to stop there just for a second. Everybody say, the source of all truth. Outside of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that is true. The source of all truth. Let's keep going. It says, he will come to you from the Father and he will tell you all about me. The way that you and I learn about the Lord and the way that you and I learn about Jesus is not just through ministers of the gospel or pastors or, or teachers of the word, but it is actually first through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that passage of scripture when the disciples, they were all together and they were gathered around Jesus? And Jesus poses the question, he says, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And the disciples begin to respond in different ways. They say, well, some say that you're the Messiah. Some say that, you know, you, you are the, the son of Joseph and Mary. Some say that you are a carpenter. Some say that you are a prophet. And Peter said, you are Lord. You are Lord. And he said, 
That was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. You see, if you want to know who Jesus is, you need to stop settling for leftovers on social media from pastors and teachers and people that think that they know who Jesus is but live nothing like him. There are a lot of ministers that are trying to make a celebrity for themselves. And my Lord, the Bible says that he came to serve. He lowered himself. He became obedient to even death upon a cross. He said the least shall be the greatest and the last shall be first in the kingdom. The reason the world and sometimes even the church lives lives unfulfilled is because we don't seek the truth. And the truth only comes from the Holy Spirit, from the word of God. Amen. See, people are following men's instructions and man's cure and man's beliefs and seeking after things that are ultimately false hopes that will never bring about the cure that they hope for or really need. But the scripture that we just read confirms that if we aren't seeking truth from God, everything else will be a false hope. Amen. You won't know who Christ is unless by the power of the Holy Spirit and you won't truly be filled in your hearts unless it's by the Spirit of God. And I believe that many of us have a desire to be filled by God. Amen? This is great. But in order to know Him, we must listen to what His Spirit says. This is embracing obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's only through our relationship with the Holy Spirit that we will actually grow in the Lord, that we will know him more. It's through our obedience to the spirit that will make us and transform us in the likeness of Christ. John chapter 14 and verse 15, he says this, if you love me, if you love me, if you love me, everybody's quick to say I love Jesus, but not everybody's quick to, to, to do like what Peter did. We, he denied him three times. He said, Lord, I'll go to the grave for you. And the Lord called him out in that moment. And he said, no, 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 Peter. Before the sun rises and the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. But listen to what the word of God says. It says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. You want to know why Christians don't act like Christ? Because of their disobedience to the Holy Spirit. This is step one. You can say yes to Jesus. You can sing all the worship songs. You can fill a pew every single day of your life. But unless we are obedient to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. It is by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. And so we need to obey the Holy Spirit. Amen. If the Holy Spirit says to forgive, what do you need to do, church? Forgive. If the Holy Spirit says to give, what do you need to do, church? Give. Whatever it is that he's putting in your heart, it is what we must do. God has given us the key to victory in our relationship with God. Amen. If you're tired of struggling with your walk with the Lord, tired of falling back into temptation, tired of being confused, tired of feeling hopeless and useless, then listen, embrace the Holy Spirit. Because he will give you a drink of the living water. He will always give you more of himself. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, I love this verse. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
Let me skip ahead to Matthew chapter 6. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. We have to seek the Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you are not hungering for righteousness, if you are not hungering after holiness, if you are not hungering for the purity of God, you will never be filled. There is no other way to be filled. He said you must hunger and you must thirst for righteousness. That is that it becomes your food, that it becomes your drink. In Matthew chapter 4, just a few verses before this, Jesus was tempted by the enemy in the desert after fasting for 40 days. And he declared to him, he says, listen, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That would be your sustenance and your very meal would be if you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, you will then be filled. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. You see, the cares of life are automatically taken care of when you care for what he cares for, which is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need the water on at the home. He knows you need the bills paid. He knows about all the things that you need in your life, but never put the need, never put the need before loving him. Never put the need before simply being obedient to his word. God wants to give you more of him, amen? He wants to give you more of him. God wants you to know him more, and he desires to shower you with more of his love today. But our heart must cry out to him. It has to be your desire, church. I can't make you thirst after him. I didn't make you come to church today, but praise God that you're here. Why don't you give the Lord a praise for yourself today? You look beautiful. And just to throw this in there, I also see when you fall asleep while I'm preaching. Stay awake. I got the best view in the house right now. God's is better than mine, but I got a pretty good one too. The Bible says so many scriptures, but those who called out to the living God, they were always filled. Psalm 107 verse 8 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. It says, for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Isaiah 44 and verse 3, he says, for I will pour water on thirsty land. I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. This is the promise of the Lord to your life. He will pour into your life without reserve when you thirst after him, church. He didn't just pour to pour. He's not just going to give pearls to swine. You have to hunger after him. You have to want him. You have to desire him above all things. The first example of a desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit was made by those who waited for the gift that Christ promised on the day of Pentecost.
What did they do to receive more of the Lord? They were gathered together in one accord. They were gathered together in one place. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 says, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the power of God. And there's a lot of people that want the revelations of God, and many people want to be touched by the power of God. But how many of us know that we serve a God of order and a God of instruction? We serve a God that doesn't do anything out of order and out of instruction. That is, he had specific instructions and commands for his people. They were not to leave the city of Jerusalem. But instead, they were to wait for the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This service will end. This gathering will end at some point. But I'm curious to know. That if you wanted Jesus so much, if you knew that today was the day, that today the outpour was going to happen, that today the baptism was going to happen, that today your sons and your daughters were going to be set free from addiction, that today your body was going to be healed, that today you would receive salvation, that today this thing or that thing was going to happen, how long would you wait? How long would you tarry? How long would you wait expectantly? Because I can guarantee that there was a number of people that went to that upper room that all of a sudden got a little tired. Because they said, well, he told us to wait, but I mean, I don't know how long. It's been a couple days, Lord. I mean, are you, is he going to show up? Is doubt creeping in your heart? Is doubt creeping in your life, in your mind, because he didn't show up the instant that you prayed? But how many of us would wait if we knew, if we really knew what God had for us? They were to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the insights and the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit and the signs and the wonders and miracles. They're all subject, church, to an obedient lifestyle. See, God, too, wants you to wait for his gift, but let me be honest. Sometimes we can't stay still long enough to receive from God. Some of you are like moving targets for a blessing of God. <laughs> God's a good shot. Make no mistake. He, he threw Jonah straight into the mouth of that great fish. God is an excellent shot, but listen to me carefully, church. Some of you won't stay still long enough. You will not stay tarrying in, in, in patience before God long enough for him to give you what he desires. If the Lord doesn't come on your command, it's not worth waiting for. There's some people that struggle with that gypsy spirit, with that shifty spirit, that anxious spirit, and you don't want to wait for him. Listen, sit down and wait. Sit down and wait in a culture that says, oh, I got to pop it in the microwave so it can be ready. Oh, I got to get the fast food because the drive through is good at Chick-fil-A. But they're closed on Sundays. 
You have been conditioned to get things now. You've been conditioned to get things fast. Oh, I got fiber internet at my house. Oh, I got 5G on my telephone. Listen, you need to learn to get back to the beginning and wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, church. Those that thirsted and wanted to be filled with Jesus, oh, they didn't relent and they didn't turn back. They waited, church. Day one, day two, they stayed praying. Day three, they stayed praying. Day four, they stayed praying. Day five, six, and seven, oh my God, it's been a week. Oh my God, it's been two weeks. Oh my Lord, it's been three weeks. Oh my, it's been 40 days. I can imagine that the group was a lot bigger and then the herd, the herd got thinned out towards the end. But those that waited received the most priceless gift that heaven has to offer, and that is the Holy Spirit. In order for them to be effective, powerful witnesses of the power of God, they had to wait for the divine impartation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that man would be ineffective and unfulfilled without the Holy Spirit. He knows this about us. He knows that in our flesh we have nothing that we can offer him. He knows that in our flesh that we will always fail, that we will always go backwards, that we will never go forward. This is why it is important for us to know how much he loves us because he provided us with everything that we need. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life, and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. Everything. Raise your hand if you want everything. I know you do. You go into the store and you're checking your wallet. You're, fine. you're trying to think, man, how can, I, how can I get that thing? He's going to give you everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It says, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption, the world, the corruption in the world that is caused by evil desire. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, so therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Church, we must be found waiting like those on the day of Pentecost. Amen? Don't be discouraged. Wait for it. God has given us several prophetic words about this church that you're sitting in today. And one of those that I'm remembering right now is that this would be a lighthouse. This would be a lighthouse in this valley, this would be a lighthouse where, where the sick, the lame, the, the demon-possessed, whatever, they would come to this house and the darkness would flee because the light of Christ would illuminate their heart and transform their life. I am standing on that word, church, and guess what? God is preparing us to receive that. God is preparing us to receive that which he wants to pour out into our life. But don't rush the work. Don't rush the work. Stay patient before the Lord. Don't fall away. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Stay before the Lord. Galatians 6 and 8 says, The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit, 
from the Spirit will reap eternal life. It says, so let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Can somebody shout amen today? What else did they do to be filled with the Spirit? They waited in prayer. They waited in prayer. Acts 1 and 13, let's read this. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and the Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. If you got your Bible in verse 14, I want you to underline, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Jesus did not say that my house shall be called the rock of ages. He said my house should be called a house of prayer. My house should be called a house of prayer. We can try to redefine what it is that we want church to look like or what we want church to be or how the church down the street does it. Listen, he has called us to be a house of prayer. Amen. That is that we are in constant prayer, not only for the needs of others, but we are in constant prayer for the wisdom and the nature. And we are in constant prayer for the hunger and the thirsting of God. Have you ever been with a person that prays, like, way better than you? <laughs> raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. Be honest. They have grown in spiritual training in that gift. How many of you have ever been on a treadmill? How many of you promised God you were going to get on the treadmill in 2022? Listen to me. The same way the Bible says that physical training is of some value. But spiritual training reaps the benefits of eternal life. And some of us need to get back to the discipline of spiritual training. Say, Lord, today if I prayed for five minutes, God, tomorrow I want to pray for six. Lord, I'm just going to let the worship music play from my phone, God, and I'm going to just spend time in your presence. I'm going to just allow you to wake me up. You know when you get that little wake up in the, in the morning at 2.30, at 3.30 in the morning? It shouldn't be a notification from your social media. It's the Lord poking you and saying, hey, I've got time. Do you have time? Do you want to spend a little bit of time in my presence? Do you want to spend some time with me, son? The Lord woke me up at 2.30 this morning. And I was telling my brother right here in the front row, the Lord woke me up at 2.30 in the morning. I began to pray. I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep. I don't know at what point in my father God I, I knocked out. <laughs> but I knocked out and then the Lord woke me up again at three. <laughs> All right, Lord, let's pray some more. And I gave him more of my time. I gave him more of my heart. I just, I just sat there in his presence, church. And this is all he wants. This is all he wants for you. To join together constantly in prayer. When you pray for others, it changes your prayer language totally. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. When you intercede for somebody else, it is as if you are praying from their position. You are praying from their position. I don't know if anyone in here has ever lost a loved one. 
But when you're standing in the gap for that person that just did, you have to go back to that place of what it felt like when you lost that loved one. And you have to pray with the same intensity that you would pray as if it had just happened to you. You have to pray with the same intensity as if it was as important to you. Say, well, I don't know this person. Or I, I didn't, you know, no, no, no. That's not the point. The Bible says that we have a great high priest who intercedes for us daily. The Lord is our mediator. He's standing right now in the course of heaven and he's declaring that you're righteous and that you're holy. And he's praying not weak prayers. He's not praying just, you know, for like two seconds, you know, like God bless my meal. He is praying earnestly and fervently for your life. Read John chapter 17 and read the prayer that Jesus prayed over his people. John 17 and 23, that they would become one in the spirit. I pray that you gathered here today for one reason alone. And that was to gather in the presence of the Lord and to lift up the name of Jesus. If you're here for any other reason, if you're here because you wanted your kids to go to the children's church or you wanted, you know, this and that, your son or daughter is serving in the ministry, listen, that's fine. That's really nice. But listen, I came here to meet with Jesus. Amen. How about you? So for these disciples, I got a few minutes left. For these disciples, it wasn't just waiting and thinking about anything and everything, but they waited with purpose. They waited with intention and with action, and they prayed, church. See, many desire miracles and breakthroughs, but they merely wait and they don't pray. You're like, oh, God, give me my breakthrough. I saw this funny picture on the Internet, and it was this guy, like, peeking through the door like this. And he said something to the effect, he's like, God, I'm just checking on that thing that I left in here with you. I'm just checking, Lord, if, it, if it's ready yet. I'm just checking, God, if it's, is it done? Is my miracle ready, Lord? But then they leave. You see, but those, for those who have received miracles and breakthroughs from God, they will tell you, church, that they didn't just wait. They prayed. Amen? They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. Ask the parents with a son or daughter that's far off from home that they came home. It did not happen by chance. It was because they prayed. Amen? Ask the, the cancer survivors and the people that were once in a hospital bed given a death notice. They didn't just wait, church. They prayed. Ask any living testimony in the house of God that is standing here washed and healed by the blood of Jesus. It wasn't just because you simply happened to show up at this church or God simply happened to do something. It's because you prayed. It's because you prayed, church. Listen, he is faithful to answer and hear your cries. He is a perfect father. He comes to the rescue at the perfect time. He comes to the rescue at the exact perfect time. It is to every child's delight when they have the attention of their parent. Mom. Mom. Dad, dad, look what I can do. I played sports my whole life and I grew up, you know, playing soccer. It was one of the sports I used to love. When I was a kid, one thing I love about my parents and my mom and my dad is I can always hear them. 
I could always hear him. I'd be running up and down the soccer field, and I could hear, go. My mom would be like, go, Duke. You know, that's how my mom kind of talks. <laughs> Come on, Duke. You know, like, and, and I'd be flying down the field, you know. I'd be running my heart, you know, you know as much as I could. And, and I could hear my dad, you know. I'd, I'd be playing in my baseball game, and, and then, boom, I was a lefty. And I'd, I'd crack one into, you know, right field or something. And go, you know, and I could always hear them cheering me on. And the Holy Spirit is the same way. The Lord is the same way. He is a perfect father. He is cheering you on right now, church. He is celebrating your victories and he is empathizing with your weaknesses. But he is right there with you right now and he is cheering you on. He's saying, come on, son, you got another day in you. Come on, you can pray a little bit harder. Come on, you can do it. And when you get his attention, church, when you get the attention of the father in heaven, oh, my God, it's the most powerful thing ever. It is the joy and it is the delight of a child to know that they have the attention of their parents. But it's even greater joy for the children of God to know that they have the attention of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Father of all fathers. Because when I cry out to him and when I pray, he hears me, church. He answers, church. He moves things that were immovable. He opens doors that were closed. He goes through, church, and he separates and parts the water so that you can walk through on dry land. He is a good father. Oh, he is a good father. I wish somebody in this house knew that today. He is a good father. Listen, if you've been stuck in a rut with your relationship with God, then stop waiting and start praying. Start praying. In the midst of their waiting in that upper room, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. Guess what happens? Let me give you just a couple things. When you pray, you gain more awareness of the presence of God. You gain more awareness and you are filled in that moment with the power of God. You all of a sudden come out of that prayer closet and it's like, boom, you're glowing, you're on fire. You're, you're, you're filled with the power of God. But when you don't pray... The opposite is present. Your flesh is heightened. Your, 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 your life and your flesh is, is, is heightened in such a way. And so we need to gain more awareness of the Spirit's presence and His power. We need to gain more and more knowledge of the Spirit Himself, how He lives and how He works within your heart and your life. But this only happens when you pray. See, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't grow on dead branches. I said, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't grow on a dead branch. It grows on the branch that's tapped into the well of life. It grows on the branches of those who are watered by the Lord. Amen? Who have spent time in his presence. Galatians 5 and 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It says those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And it says so since we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit wants you to pray. The Spirit desires that you would pray. And so my desire for you and I, church, is to say goodbye to our will and our ways. Amen. It's to say goodbye to the things that have control over our life and allow the continual transformation from the flesh to living in the Holy Spirit. I pray that this is your desire. And if it is your desire, then I'm going to ask that you would continue to pray and wait for it. The Lord said in his word in Luke chapter 11, he said, Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, 
would give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? How much more? Don't say, well, this is how God created me. Don't say, well, this is just a a generational thing. We've always been this way. My God breaks chains. I don't know about you. My God breaks chains. He is able to transform. He is able to break any single chain that you have in your life. He is able to re-give you your identity so that you come back into right thinking and righteous thinking and know who you are as a son and daughter of God. So do not deny the Holy Spirit access into your life. Pray, pray, pray because you will be transformed. This is the Lord's command, church, to walk fully in the Spirit. The latter part of Ephesians 5 and 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. If I'm filled with the Spirit, nothing else can remain. As I ask you to stand to your feet in the house of God, I want to read Isaiah 55 and verse 1 over every single one of you today. And then I'm going to open this altar this morning because I believe we need to pray. Amen. Isaiah 55 and verse 1 says, Come, all you who are thirsty. That's your invitation right then and right now. You shouldn't even wait for me to finish this. It says, Come, all you who are thirsty. It says, Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. It says, Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. It says, Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. He said, see, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. He said, surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that you do not know will hasten to you. It says, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with his splendor. Verse 6, I love this. So seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.